Uh, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Genesis 39. Uh, Genesis 39. And I want to make a commitment tonight, and I got, I got a few key guys out there right now that I have heard from the, the people, the people have spoken. Uh, my goal is to slow down. And, and all God's people said, amen. Right? Now, I just want to let, that was more than I thought I'd get. Uh, I, I want to be honest here, on Wednesday nights, I speak to college students who are 21, 22, 23, and if I speak too slow, they will fall asleep. And last week, I spoke so fast, you guys fell asleep last week, so I got I to gotta find that balance, so just give me some grace uh, in that area. So, anyway... Um, a lot of you, or as we talked last week, or every single one of us, have went through periods or stages in our lives where we would have to sit and say this, man, the Lord was definitely with me. The Lord did something in my life. We talked about the idea last week how God makes straight lines with crooked sticks. He takes messed up lives jacked up lives, just like mine, just like yours, and he takes it and he straightens it out and he does something beautiful with it. He does something only that God can do. And last week we talked about how sometimes, man, Genesis 37, Joseph doing his job got him in trouble sometimes. Man, just doing what his dad asked him uh, uh, to do. We talked about how, um, how his brothers did some unjust things to him and he had to respond and maintain his character within that. And what I want to carry over tonight and talk about this idea, whether you have God in your life or not, may, you have to come to some kind of conclusion that where you are today, you can't really describe what, what happened. If you don't have God in your life, you may have to say, man, I don't know how I got where I got. I just kind of ended up here, whether for good or for bad. And to speak about a man that I think almost everyone in this room would know, I, I want to talk about uh, the, the, uh, Joe Walsh from the Eagles. And for you guys, you guys are like, yeah, Joe Walsh, I, I air guitar every song he ever wrote. I want to I say a quote that he said, this is what he said. And obviously, had, this is after his career, you know, killed a lot of brain cells, obviously not the perfect picture of health and biblical wisdom and stuff like that. But this is what he said. Um, after being sober for 25 years, he said this, when you look back on our career with the Eagles, he said, it was just chaos. A left turn here, a right turn there, arguments completely unpredictable. But now, when I look back, it looks like a beautifully written poem. And some of you would recognize this song that he sang, and you have sung it even yourself. Go ahead and play it for me, Andy. And some of you are mouthing this song right now, and you're like, I didn't know we were allowed to sing that in church. And you're excited right now, and you're about to get on your, your chair and air guitar this song because you love Rocky Mountain Way. Thank you, Andy. That's, that's good. Here's, here's why I play that song, and here's why I want to say this one thing. Um, obviously, um, he is not the picture of following after God. And I know there's debate about where he is spiritually and things like that. But he got to the end of his career, and he said this. He said, you know what? I have to look back and there was someone that was a part of what I was doing. Someone was guiding me along the way. In Genesis 50, 20, um, it says this. 
Nope, not this. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, you're like, Bible, that was great. Uh, it says, as, you, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And God has this conversation with Joseph and at the end of his life. And, he's, and Joseph, all of this bad stuff happens to him. And he says, you want to know what? Man means evil sometimes, a lot of times. But God is working something along the way. As for those who love God, he works all things together for good. So no matter how you've come tonight and where you're at and the struggle, the stuff you got going on in your life, God wants to make a straight line with a crooked stick, messed up lives, and he wants to mean not evil but good for your life and my life. And so Genesis 39, we're going to jump in this tonight, and my main kind of overarching theme is when the Lord is with you. And when the Lord is with you. So let's jump in. Genesis 39, again, if you're new to the Bible, it's right in the front. Genesis starts with a G. The big number, 39, is the chapter. And the little number is the verse, if you're new to this thing. Genesis 39, it says this. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him in from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. Look at verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of the Egyptian master. His master saw, here it is again, the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to, to succeed in his hand. Verse 4, so Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him an overseer of the house, and he put him in charge of all that he had. From that time, he made him an overseer of the house and over all that he had. Here it is again. The Lord blessed the Egyptian house, not for the Egyptian's sake. No, no, no. For Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord, there it is again, was on all that he had in the house of the field so that he had all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. So this guy is in charge of all of this stuff in Egypt. He is uh, Pharaoh's second-hand man, and he is in command, and he sees Joseph. After being sold into slavery, after uh, getting taken away, Joseph was there. And here's the point that I want to make. When the Lord is with you, others cannot help but notice. Others can't help but see. And if you are in any aspect of your life, if you have walked with God, you would have to sit there and say, I am here today because God was with me. God was with me. It was the Lord that was working in and through me. There are three men in the Old Testament who are considered blameless or successful. It was Joseph, it is Job, and it is Daniel. Now, success, we could talk about in many different ways and what it looks like, but all success or all blessing is this. It is God doing what he promised he would do. And if we were to walk around and, and, and at your tables, you're going to have some time to share this. Every single one of us would have to say, man, I cannot believe where I am today, and it is only because of God. If you have God in your life, you have to sit and be like, man, honestly, I was just a bonehead. I don't know how I got where I got. And for some of you, it's maybe in your business. If we were to talk to you at 15 years old, man, lucky we didn't think you'd be alive. 15 years old, pull you up, and now you'd have to say, man, I don't even know how I did it. I, I, didn't, I wasn't smart, I wasn't witty, it wasn't my wisdom. A man who has the Lord, 
and has any success is able to look back and say, yeah, that was God. And maybe for some of you, it's in business or in management. And for some of you in this room, you simply did what no one in your family has ever done. You stayed married to the same woman, and you've been married to her for some time. And your dad never did that. You were what we call a chain breaker. And you have to sit there and say, you know what? It was the Lord. It was, it was the Lord. And for some of you, you'd say, man, I grew up in a messed up home. I had this going on in my life. And I did what no one in my family has ever done. I stuck to my job and I provided for my family. And that's your goal. Any single one of us pulling up here and we were to ask, how did you get where you are? Because here's the running theme in Genesis 39 with Joseph. The Lord was with him. And if God is with you, you will succeed, but it depends on what you determine as success. Success, he just, everything he touched, people could notice and say, man, that was God. And I could say for me, uh, the, only, the thing for me that I would say I can point at, man, God was with me and he is with me, was this. When I was uh, 19 years old, started to feel God calling me to do this kind of like speaking thing, pastor thing. The only problem was I went to Mogador and I had a 2-2 GPA and barely knew how to read. And so I sat down, no, that's a true story, uh, sat down with uh, Pastor Butch personally and I said, hey, I kind of want to do this, but honestly, uh, there's a problem. I can't, the Bible, don't really know much about that and this. And he said, and, and I'll never forget it, it was 2013, and you don't forget stuff like this. It was October, farmer boy in Springfield, October, it was mid-afternoon, and he said this to me. He said, Mike, in 1 Corinthians 1, it says, God doesn't call the wise, he calls the fools and makes them wise. He doesn't call the strong, he calls the weak, and he makes them strong. And God takes broken, messed up lives, and he makes them straight. And when that happens, other people can't help but notice this baptism pool is behind me right now. Sunday, we're baptizing six individuals who've accepted Christ as Savior. One of them, one of which, uh, is a 18-year-old girl, Katie Kerwick. Her brother accepted Christ uh, six months ago, and I've been meeting with him and discipling him and talking. Adam really was preaching a couple weeks ago. I looked over, and I saw her, and I saw her brother, who I went to high school with, and I walked, I just, you just feel prompted to share sometimes. you got to say something. And if you don't say something, you don't know, you ain't going to be able to sleep. You know what I'm talking about. And I walked over and I talked to her brother. And I said, Kyle, man, I want to talk to you about the Lord. What's preventing you from accepting Christ as Savior? And he went on, he went about this, went about this. I said, okay, that's fine. I said, I next time I see you, I'm going to ask you the same question. And I looked at Katie and the whole time she's nodding her head like this. And I was like, Katie, what about you? She goes, oh my word, I have needed to. She said, I cannot help deny what God has done in my brother Corey's life. Corey come walking up and Corey's like, what's going on? I said, Katie would like to receive Christ. He led his sister to the Lord that Sunday, two Sundays ago, and she's getting baptized this Sunday. Yeah, you're allowed to clap. Yeah, because that's what God does. And actually, this past Sunday, this is just for fun because I have to share. Uh, this past Sunday, I saw Kyle and I was talking to Kyle and I started to walk away right down this aisle here. I get about five rows away. He says, hey, Mike. I said, yeah, man. He goes, my answer is yes. To what? You said, you asked me two weeks ago about accepting Christ. My answer is yes. I said, all right, well, let's pray to receive Christ. His brother prayed with him that sun this past Sunday as well. So God, when God changes a life or God is in a life, Man, people can't help but notice. Look at that. Look at that. 
Look what God's doing. And always, when it's God working in someone's life, guess who gets the glory? God. He gets it, man. Everyone, they look at it and they don't see Joseph. They see the Lord's with that guy. We don't even believe in God. We don't even know about this God, this, this Jewish guy. We don't know about him. But whoever he is, he's in that man. Man, we knew about Joseph. I don't know how someone can be that successful, but when the Lord is with them, other people just sit there and they are in utter disbelief of what God is doing. And that is what God does with a changed life. Number two, expect testing and temptation. Now, I want to preface this before I read this in verse 7. Uh, when I was thinking through this series, I said to Craig, hey, I want to do Joseph. I want to talk about twists and turns and how God connects those things. I want you to take uh, 39. I'll take the other ones because I don't want to do the whole sexual sin thing. Like, I'm, you know, you, you, you got more roots than me there. He goes, no, no, no. Joseph was a young man. You got it. I was like, what? <laughs> okay, so anyway, verse 7. This is what it says. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and in appearance. You guys are like, he cursed too, just like me. It's just, just the curse we bear. You're like, you know, me too. Yeah, girls just flock. And I walk in, man, I can't keep them off me. I'm just looking so good. You're like, man, I said, I'm, with I'm just like Joseph, me and him the same. You're not. Anyway, uh, and after some time, his master's wife caught her eye on Joseph and said, lie with me. Now, Let's not sugarcoat this in any way. He, she just said, hey, let, let's, let's do this thing. She, she is inviting him to have sex. I mean, just call it what it is. He's like, hey, what you, I mean, he's gone. What you doing right now? And Joseph, I mean, this guy is a monster because he is going to do what, I, I mean, none of us probably would do, Right? I mean, just call it, I mean, it's church, but we can be honest here, right, Craig? I can be honest. I'm allowed to tell the truth. No, okay, sorry. We just lie. Yeah, I would run away. So she says, lie with me. Lie with me. Take, take the clothes off. What? Here's what he does. Verse 8. But he refuses and said to the master's wife, he refuses. Behold, because of me, my master has, com has concerning about everything in his house. He has put everything that he has in my charge. Verse 9. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept, kept back anything from me except you. Here's what I found wild about this and little conjecture. I think the master and Joseph have talked. He's kept back everything except you. He told me about you? Yeah, he said you were flirty. I was allowed to have, I'm in charge, I'm just like him. And he said, look out for you, because Joseph said, this man has told me I can do whatever I want, I'm in charge of whatever I want, but I can't have you. And she is just throwing herself at him. And he, he refuses. And it, this is what it says in verse, uh, verse, I'm at the end of verse 9. Because you are his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against who? God. Sometimes, man, when you're feeling super spiritual, you know those days? Some of you guys wake up at like 4 a.m. I got the baby, man. I'm trying to get to sleep by 4.30, right? You wake up at 4 a.m., you got the coffee, you got your Bible, Holy Spirit showed up, patting you on the shoulder. He's saying, oh, I love you, my, my beloved son, and whom I, well, please, you're doing your scripture memory. You're, no temptation's overtaking you, and you're running it through. In those days, you don't want to sin because it's against God. 
Man, the days you're feeling it and killing it, the reason you don't want to step into sexual sin is because God told me so. God said it. But to be honest, some days we don't step into sexual sin because you're scared to death of the consequence. You're just scared. I don't want that to be the reason. Man, I walked in tonight and uh, someone said to me, hey, yo, Mike, you talking about sex tonight? Yep. Good, I need it. Because this is something, no one in this room, no one across the board is going to say that they have no sexual regrets, number one. No one. No one's going to be like, yeah, never made one mistake sexually, pornography, you name it, nothing. And no one in this room would say they are as good as Joseph when it comes to fleeing. How do I know? Verse 10 is what it says. And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, huh? I mean, maybe day one, I'll kill it. I mean, if she threw herself, day one, I'd be like, no, I'll quote the verse right now. No temptation, no temptation, you know, and I'll, I'll run, I'm sprinting down. Maybe day two, right? Day after day. And I'll talk about what Joseph could have done better. But in reality, you expect tempting and temptation when you follow God. Just expect, you can bank on it. You can bank on it that the devil is at work because he knows your crutch. He knows your crutch. He knows it's that. And it's day after day. Let me just finish. Day after day, he would not listen to her or lie beside her or be with her. Here's the thing about sexual sin that's so difficult and so prevalent. It's, number one, I can still remember to this day the first time I saw pornography. To this day, that memory is stapled in my mind. I was in fifth grade. I was 11 years old. Invited over to my friend's house. Not making this up. And he uh, took me into his room in the, the drawer, pulled out the drawer, Bible on the drawer, pulls it up, takes the pornography and shows me. I was 11. And at that time, didn't really know how, where, where to put that. And he, here's, the, here's the hard thing about it is it feels so innocent at times. Like, what, who's it harming? Like, what's the, what's the harm? And here's the harm. It's 1 Corinthians 6, 18. It says this. Is it on there, Andy? Thank you. Flee from sexual immorality. So flee, run from it. Yeah, yeah, we got that. Take off. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexual and moral person sins against his own body. The New Testament would say when you commit any kind of sexual sin, it's against yourself. It's, It's harming you and it's harming the person who you were designed to have sex for. Now, I, I, I think sex is awesome, right? Amen? Okay, maybe just me and someone over there. I think sex is great. I, I think God invented it. I, the devil didn't slip that one in in Genesis 3, and God's like, shoot, they got sex. Like, that didn't happen. God invented it, created it. I think it's the, one of the best things ever when it's in its context. When it's in its context. USA Today came out a couple years ago. Here's the stat. Over half, over half, of the average marriage, a man cannot have intercourse with his wife without pornography on display. Cannot get an erection without pornography. It's insane. It's because it's against your own body and it causes so much downplay, so much backlash. And here's the thing, when you think about sexual sin, like I said, nobody is gonna say, yeah, it's just been perfect since day one. Lust, check. Porn, never. 
Yeah, doesn't look at anyone ever. Yeah, just killing it. No, no one would say no sexual regrets. No one's going to say that. And here's the thing about when, when he made the decision day after day. Here's why I think it's important. When the decision is day after day, the only way you can remain pure is if it is a daily decision. It's a daily thing. It's not, hey, for the next, for my lifetime, I'm never going to struggle. God, I will never do that again. You'd be like, Peter, I'll never deny you. No, no, no. It's the daily decision. God, help me to keep a covenant with my eyes, Job 31.1, to not look upon a woman. God, help me. God, help me to save myself for my wife. Help me to remain pure. God, would you protect me from the enemy today? It's a daily decision. Here's the thing about testing and temptation. Testing is all, not always, but majority of the time, I believe, from God. In Genesis 22, when God tested Abraham, when God tested Job, testing is from God, and it's not for God to know where you are spiritually. He, he knows. He's got it down. It's for us to know where we are. Testing is us to kind of check in with God. Man, okay, this is where I'm at. Temptation is not from God. James 1, that let no one say when he's tempted, God, why would you do this to me? Why would you tempt me? Temptation comes from our own flesh and from the devil. And he just knows, man. He just knows. That's, that's what it is. And Joseph, this is what he did. He decided or made a decision beforehand. He refused. Me and the master talked, and I can do whatever I want. I got all the money I want, but I cannot have you. I can't. He made the decision beforehand. Let's uh, move into verse 11. When the Lord is with you, and still, this is, um, I think a lot of you are going to resonate with this one. People can still be out to get you uh, and just kind of mess things up. Verse 11. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was in, the ha was in there in the house. There's this problem. Um, can't, you just can't. You can't be alone. You got to make the decision beforehand. No matter how tough it is for your job, no matter how awkward it is to have that conversation with your manager, your boss, hey, I just can't be alone with a woman. I just can't. Joseph could have avoided the backlash he's about to get if he would have said, you know what, I just, a wisdom call. This has nothing to do, this isn't sin, this isn't right or wrong, this isn't something totally against God, but you know what, wisdom for me, I'm just not going to be alone with her. I just can't, I can't, I can't go to work there if it's alone with her. I got to make the decision beforehand. And that's where he kind of messed up. Verse 12, because <clears throat> this is what she does. She put him or, or she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. There it is again. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. So he does exactly what he's supposed to do. Takes off. I mean, just a man rips the coat off of our bone. Just took his coat. I mean, it's like a fight. She's like, give me. He just ran. That's, that's wild. <laughs> and fled in the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, see, he has brought, see, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us and come in to lie with me. And I cried out with a loud voice. So she's now, she's lighting him up. She's saying the exact opposite. And as soon as he heard it, that he had lifted my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. 
Then she said, laid up in his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us come in to, la- to laugh at me, or the same thing, lie with me. Verse 18, But as soon as I lifted my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and he fled out of the house. Here's the, the thing about when the Lord is with you and about testing and temptation. Unjust or unright things will still happen to you or take place. Some of you have experienced that from a business perspective. You have tried to make the right decision. You've tried to do the right thing, and you've had a boss or a manager kind of convince you, hey, no, 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 you're going to do this because it's cheaper, it's easier, and it's more convenient. And you have to decide, no, 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 I can't make that decision. And people will say, well, then you may get knocked down a few notches, or maybe amongst family, you may have to make the right decision, and other people will say, no, 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 takes more time, it's more money, it's this, and you have to be convinced in your own mind, this is what God wants me to do. Why? Because he's with me. It's in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 12. It says this, Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Ah, right there. Anyone who thinks, yeah, man, I'm just killing it on the whole purity thing. Never been a problem for me. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just a beast. I'll write a book about it. What do you want me to tell? I never struggled. Anyone who thinks he stands, anyone who thinks that any success he has that is not from God is not going to get God the glory. And let him who thinks he stands take heed. Just be careful because you will fall or we will fall. No temptation has overtaken you that such is common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Here's the thing about his way of escape. The way of escape Joseph should have done, should have done, if he was here, maybe Joseph would say to us, man, I just shouldn't have been alone with her. Shouldn't have went in there alone. Should have grabbed a buddy. Should have grabbed a friend to go in there with me so I didn't get accused. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have went in there on my own. And when, and when it was the first time, probably should have told someone. I mean, trust me, and, it, and it's always so subtle, is it not? Like, it's just a message. Who cares? Just a message. I mean, it's just a text. Just a Facebook. What's, yeah, who cares? Yeah, she made that one comment that one time in the hallway. What's the big deal? It's always so subtle. But a wise man will say... I mean, you got blunt, you just look, just expect it. And it's like, whoa, 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 I need to tell someone about this. Joseph, the first day, the first time it happened, should have said, I mean, I don't know, you got a small group back in that day, they're sitting around in the temple. I have no idea what it would look like. What he should have done is, hey, this girl's kind of flirty. I'm super handsome. She is all over me, man. She loves my bald head, and I don't know what to do about it. I don't know how you guys. <laughs> and you say, hey, I got some signs here. What should I do? Because when sin is always, when it's in the dark, it grows, man. It just festers. And it is always compromisable. Just, a, just what's one, now it's a text, now it's this, and now it's that, and then it's, yeah, lunch, and then it's coffee, and then it's this, and then it's the one conversation. Listen, it is not the one conversation. It's the 50 ones before that, the day after day, man, I should have just said something. 
I should have just said, so. I should have told my buddy, man, that one girl said something to me. She looked at me funny. I'm just, I'm just going to tell my small group. I'm going to tell my table because I want to make sure that I want to finish well. I had a professor one time challenge me um, in Bible college. And when he said this to me, it just, it made so much sense to me. He said, Mike, <clears throat> what I want you to do, and I was talking about this idea of sexual sin. And I'm like, man, I want to finish well one day. And I, I want to get to the end married to the same woman, committed to the same woman. And I have all this past issues and struggles that keep coming up. He said, what I want you to do in the front of your Bible, and I still have it by my bedside uh, every night. It, in, in the front of the Bible, he said, I want you to write down every name every single name that would be effective, ne- affected negatively if you were to fall into sexual sin. I got that. I should have brought it. I got, every, I got a thousand names on there. I got underlined this one, this one, this guy, this thing. And, I, and you just pray, God, keep me today. God, keep me today. No temptation's overtaken you. He'll provide the way of escape. Every single one of us could say, man, I get a little bit better at fleeing in this way. Could have got a little bit better in this way. Because when the Lord is with you, the devil don't like that. He, he don't like that. I mean, it says in Ma- or, uh, Proverbs 7 when it talks about the man and the woman who's, at, who's uh, trying to get him into her and trying to get into her. It says that men, we're like an ox to the slaughter. He's just dumb. Just put some meat in front of us and we'll go wherever. Right? Just assume, just assume we're, you're thinking wrong about it. Just assume you're being dumb. Yeah, I just assume I'm just being stupid. And say, okay, God, what am I supposed to do? This, this conversation happened, this happened. Expect testing and temptation, but also expect people are going to be out to get you even when you're following Christ. It's just, it's just the way it goes sometimes. But this last point, and uh, the most important to bring this full circle, God sees and knows. Look at verse uh, 19. As soon as his master heard the words of his wife, uh, his wife spoke to him. This is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled and Joseph's master put him and put him into prison. In the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison. Verse 21, I'd underline this. But the Lord was with Joseph. And showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of prison. And the keeper of prison put Joseph, man, this guy just can't help it, in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because, there it is again, underline, the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made him succeed. Here's the thing about God seeing and God knowing. God sees everything and he knows everything. And despite that, he is consistent in communicating his love and his grace and his forgiveness to you. We're not, we don't have all the details maybe down, but Joseph, when he's accused, we have no record of him trying to defend his case. Who else did that? Jesus, man. Just got nothing to say. I can argue my case, I can try and plead the fifth, I can try and get the cameras out, get the, get the witnesses around, get this guy he saw from the window. No, 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 Joseph, he's just like, oh, I shouldn't have been there. And he takes whatever is sent his way, let the chips fall as they may. God, wherever you put me, I'm in the pit, just like in Genesis 37. God, you have me here, I'm in prison, I was in charge of Egypt, I was second in command, I'm doing all this amazing stuff, now you got me down with these smelly guys? Really? You know what? 
Where you have me, I'll serve you. It's not right. It's not fair. It doesn't make sense. God sees and God knows. And a lot of times, you just got to trust him. You just got to trust him. Maybe there was a conversation you had with your son or your daughter or your spouse and things have not been the same and you feel like you always got to plead, you always got to plead your case, you got to make things right, absolutely, but sometimes, you know what, God, I'm just going to trust you and from this day forward, from this day forward, I have regrets and I have this and regrets, even though I have them, it's given me wisdom, but from this day forward, wherever you've put me, God, it's not where I want to be. It's not glamorous, it's not perfect, I didn't want this job, I didn't want this one thing, and I didn't want this to pan out, but God, I'll serve you, because I trust that you're with me, because God knows the truth. He knows, and sometimes it's a wisdom call, you know what, I'm just going to leave this to God. It's in Hebrews 4, uh, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Listen to the, just think about this for a second. It says in Ephesians that the grace he gives is lavished on us. And what that means is it is more than you can actually bear. You can't, it's so much love and grace. And when you come, when you come to God, he is without sin because all of us are with sin. He sees it all. He saw the thoughts. He, he saw the, the heart motive. He sees it all. And he sits there and he says, I did what you could not do. And he takes it all. And when you come to God, man, he has got more grace than you can even imagine. You can even, I talked to that kid Kyle uh, before he accepted Christ, he sat there sobbing because he said, Mike, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've said. You don't know what I did to God. You don't know. And I had to say, listen, you cannot out the gospel. You can't. That's why Jesus went to the cross because he sees and knows and he's like, man, I love you so much. He's going to extend that grace to us, extend that gift to us. So as we turn for you guys as a chance or opportunity to talk at your tables, there's three questions there that I want you to discuss about any success or anything you've gotten from the Lord. How how has that worked in your life? How can all of us, every single one of us, get better at fleeing? Because I think every one of us could say, yeah, maybe here, maybe here, put this safeguard here or this here. And then lastly, man, what has happened in your life that maybe is unjust or not fair, and how can I get better at responding? So You guys go ahead and turn to your tables, and I'll give you a two-minute warning uh, when we get close. So go ahead. Hopefully um, you guys had some good discussion at your table uh, that is helpful for you to think through um, maybe what the Lord has done in you and through you in your life. I can uh, remember a time when I was 19, uh, and I was... Leading a, a Bible study, and I was, you know, super humble at 19. Have you ever? I don't know if this changes. I, I was thinking about this the other day. I think I said to Craig. Um, now at 26, I always look back and I look at 22-year-old Mike, and I'm like, man, God help that boy. Like, you know, what's his problem? And then I look back at 19, and I'm like, you know, at 26. And when I'm 30, am I going to look at 26 Mike and just cringe? Is that consistent? Okay, so, so that don't change. The older guys were like, nah, man, I'm 80. I'm feeling great, dude. <laughs> so um, when I was 19. I was leading a Bible study, and 
um, things were, felt like it was going well and God was using me and it was uh, a Monday evening around 10 o'clock on the phone with Craig and I don't know if Craig remembers this phone call where he gave me a good old fashioned, what we call butt chewing uh, on the phone where I literally was like, oh my gosh, the pastor's yelling at me, not yelling, but just, you know, truth in love, just correcting me because I had missed kind of what God was doing through me and in me and I was not seeing correctly what he was doing. And in the aspect of fleeing sexual sin, hopefully in your tables you had some discussion where it was like, yeah, this isn't necessarily wrong, but this is kind of a red flag and maybe a yellow flag and maybe something to think through around your tables. Like, yeah, I didn't think it was a big deal, but probably is. I should, you know, do something with that. And then maybe the last one you guys kind of talked through, um, something being done towards you and how you could learn from Joseph where you know what, sometimes I just got to learn to not say anything. Like last week where we said some things are just better unsaid. Some things I should, you know, it says in the Proverbs, even a foolish man when he restrains his lips is considered wise. And so how do we be more like Joseph? But I want to end tonight reading a passage in John. It says this, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning, and he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and sat down, and he taught them. He was just a good teacher. And this is how it went. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, placing her in the midst. And they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. The law, Moses, commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? And Jesus sits there and he responds. And they said this to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with a finger, wrote with his finger in the ground, and they continued to ask him, just pestering the heck out of him. He stood up, and this is what he said. Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Verse 8, and at once he bent down again and he wrote in the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one. Most commentaries will say it went from the oldest to the youngest, because the older ones knew, man, we are not without sin. And they went away, and Jesus stood up in verse 10, and he said, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, and I assume with tears running down her face, feeling disgusted and just exposed, no one, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go now and sin no more. It says when you are in Christ that there is no condemnation that is overtaken. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There's nothing that God, if you are in Christ and you have sexual regrets, it's not even a regret, it's a current thing in your life, and you need help and you need to have a conversation with someone, no one's going to sit there and say, it, the, the, what the devil does is he lies to us and says, you are the only one. He, he just feeds that lie. Man, I'm the only one in this room. I'm the only one that struggles. I'm the only one that does this. He sits in your car on the way home on your shoulder telling you, man, none of those guys know what you're going through. It is you and you are alone. That's what the devil does. And what the Holy Spirit, I believe, wants to say to you and what God wants to say to you is that if you come to him, there's no condemnation in Christ. If you need forgiveness tonight, you need to give some of that up to God, do that before you leave here. And hopefully you had some good discussions, but I hope tonight you walk away with, man, God, I maybe have some regrets, I have some current struggles, but you know what? Through Christ, I can do this. 
I can be more of a conqueror through Christ with a group of men who I can lock arms with, in a sense, and work through this battle and this struggle. So let me pray for us. Let me pray for you guys. If you just stand up um, as I send you guys out of here tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for what Jesus has done on the cross. God, that the gospel of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection is the only reason why any of us can even seem to get up in the morning. God, I pray that you would strengthen us. I pray that you would help us to notice anything we have in our life, our family, our wife, our kids, our job, anything that we have that seems to be successful, we would have to look and say, that was you. Thank you, God. It would produce a thankful heart. I pray that you would help us to learn to flee like Joseph, learn to run, that we would set boundaries, not because um, we're someone special, but because we're wise. God, give us wisdom beyond our years. Lord, and I pray that as maybe for some men in this room, current struggle tonight, it is a, a struggle, pornography, it's a constant battle. I pray that you would bring victory, God. I pray that you'd help them to be obedient, that you would help us to be men or vessels who are clean and pure, able to be used by you. God, would you help us to take it day by day? Would we make the daily decision that we are going to follow you and be obedient to you? And would you use us in a tremendous way? God, we thank you tonight. I'm reminded. I pray that uh, every, every man here tonight would be encouraged and challenged and built up tonight because that is why we're here. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. You are dismissed. Stack them five high if you can.